Satnam, I'm Guru Prakarmakar. Guru Singh and I travel the world, loving to meet an ever-growing global community. We are appreciative of your vital role on this planet, for it is your willingness to be here and listen that calls forth wisdom, that activates our collective voice in service. Your questions bring forth the answers. For a wealth of information about who we are and what we do, please visit gurusing.com. Bless you. Guru Guru Wahe Guru Guru Ram Das Guru 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 Wahe Guru Guru Ram Das Guru that I want to start with today is the correlation between soul and spirit. There's a portion of the soul body which is a hologram 
of the oversoul, the total soul. Atma is the soul body and paramatma. Param means over. The oversoul. Within us, we have, within our physical body, we have our emotional body. And the thing that enables it to be alive is the fact that it has a soul body. The difference between organic matter and inorganic matter is that organic matter has an active soul body and inorganic matter has an less active, not a not an absence of, but a less active soul body. It's almost like when you think about certain um, herbal formulas. There's the most active ingredient, there's the less active ingredient, there's the inactive ingredient, and then there's the inert ingredients, all of which form the balance of the, of the, the herbs and the foods as well. And so, within us, we have soul, but that soul extends throughout the universe. And the part of the soul, the massive portion of the soul that is not within you, is your spirit. And there's the old saying, we are one in the spirit, because... In the soul, the part of the soul that is actually engaging you is you. But the spirit is mixed with everyone else. And the ones that are the most closely aligned in spirit to you are your blood relations, your, your relatives. They are the most relative the reason why they are called relatives. The ancestry of those relatives or the history of their incarnation is what gives you your genetic makeup, your DNA. And within that genetic makeup and in that DNA are all of the contributors to your emotional body because your emotional body is built out of the peptides and hormones and lipids and proteins that are secreted, if you will, in in microscopic dosages into the bloodstream when you make a move, when you're in a posture in yoga, when you make a move, uh, when you have an attitude, when you have a reflex to what is going on around you. All of these things, all of these things are what cause you to have feelings, to have emotions. And what the most beneficial part of the emotional body is, is that it gives you a greater sense of feeling as to what not only your immediate environment is, but what your historical environment has been and what your future environment is going to be. So it gives you a sense of what is called in Sanskrit a sense of vastu, your place in space, time. In the higher dimensions, like the 7th, 8th, ninth, 
you know, 10th, 11th dimensions, space and time are not separated and space itself is not bifurcated and time is not allocated. It is all one moment and all one point. Space is one point, time is one moment. As you move down through the levels of the uh, dimensions, I guess down through is a bit of a mis- misnomer because you know it, it, it determines that there's a direction. So let me just say that when we, when we move out from the core dimensions, and God knows, some yogis said that there was, science right now is saying there's 11 in the string, in, in the circumstances around the string theory. Um, but they're speculating that there are more. Yogis have communicated about 27 and, and 108, you know, 27 divides into 108 four times. You know, all of these different uh, components of dimensional com- uh, uh, circumstance but that's not what I'm trying to communicate to you right now. What I'm trying to communicate is that when you move from those dimensions like the 9, 10th, and 11th dimension where everything is one, everything is one moment, everything is one point in space, we begin to separate and we begin to allocate and, and enunciate the differentiations until we actually get to the physical dimension, which is the third dimension, and then there is your body, and there is my body, and they appear to be quite separate. But what is not separate in our relationship is that the soul body, within our physical body, within our emotional body, extends out into the universe and completely fills it. Now the interesting thing about soul body is that it's not, it's not three-dimensional and so therefore a gazillion soul bodies can fill the same point in space and time without displacing each other because they don't have that exclusivity of space and time. You have your space you know, if we were in a yoga, if we were in a yoga room together, I couldn't put my mat on top of your mat and 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 sit on top of you. I mean, that would be really rude and inappropriate. Um, but our souls do that all the time. <laughs> I don't think they have yoga mats, but <laughs> you know, they're interfacing and intertwining all the time, and that's why we have the relationships that we do. You know, the, the, the people that we feel safer with are the ones that we have a stronger soul bond with because we are realizing and recognizing their proximity to us. Either their incarnate proximity or their genetic proximity. And that's why we have tribes and clans and and communities, etc. One of the things that I was mentioning earlier is the, there's that old saying, we, uh, there's actually a song, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, 
da 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 I forgot the other words, but I'll, I'll remember them someday and be able to sing the whole thing. But we are one in the spirit because as our spirit, which is the, our soul body that's outside of our physical body, extends out infinitely or almost infinitely, we might say, into that universal space, yours and mine are occupying the same space. Now we go through the layers of all of that and we begin to associate that's where we really communicate. When we start associating at the level of spirit which is also where our higher consciousness resides. Our subconsciousness is rooted at the solar plexus because it associates not only with the emotional body, but it also associates with the physical body because the subconscious is running all of the autonomic systems, the systems that we don't have to think about. Metabolic rate, digestive rate, heart rate, nerve transference rate, all of these rates, all of these timings. We don't have to think about them. We don't have to say, you know what, I need to digest now. Let me take a break. I mean, you can rest and help your digestion, but you don't actually think about, you know, I'm having a real hard time digesting those string beans because I left the, I left the stems on the end of them and they're just a little bit too <laughs> fibrous, you know. <laughs> you don't have to think about that. That's what is called an autonomic system. And that subconscious, which literally occupies 75% of our mental body, because of its vast amount of responsibility, is taking care of all of those beneath the level of your intellect. Beyond the level of your intellect is what is called your higher conscious or your superconscious. That superconscious <coughs> and which is your higher consciousness is what is located in spirit. And therefore, in our higher consciousness, we can have transference between us that we're not even aware of in our intellect, in our, in our intelligence, in our consciousness, in that which we are very aware of. Now, think about this in terms of a tool. If we want to bring peace on earth, the best way to bring peace on earth is to have a relationship and a strong relationship with that spirit which is the soul body outside of your physical body which is this portion of the, of the consciousness, the higher consciousness interwoven with all other higher consciousness of everyone on earth. Now, not only everyone on earth now, but also everyone that has ever been on earth and everyone that is going to be on earth. No time, no space. If you can benevolently influence that arena, that realm. And when I say benevolently, that means what is called clear magic. 
Clear magic is where you're influencing without directly instructing. You're influencing the global population. Prayer, meditation, dream time. If you are not benevolently doing it, if it is not for the good of all, but if it is for just the good of you or just for the good of a certain number of people at the expense of others, that's what would be known as that murky magic. Clear magic, murky or dark magic. Hmm. Milarepa, one of the most famous Buddhist poets of all time. There's a great book called The Ten Thousand Songs of Milarepa. Milarepa came from a long lineage of dark magicians. He, prior to his realization, shall we say, and his ancestors were these dark magicians that were hired by, you know, hired by people that could afford them to settle scores, to gain advantage. And there was one job that he was, this is all in the history of his book, there was one job that he was hired for that basically ended his career as a dark magician because the unintended consequences of his actions caused harm and death to so many people that he just broke down and for the rest of his life he lived his life in consciously seeking forgiveness for that action and for his prior life as a dark magician. And he became known as this incredible saintly poet. I bring that story in because if you can influence through your prayer work, through your deep meditation, through your dream time, if you can influence out here in an extremely benevolent way where it's what you are vibrating for is for the good of all, and I mean all, no exceptions. Because it is in that realm where you begin to understand the nature of the one-room schoolhouse, planet Earth. Any living planetary system is a one-room schoolhouse where you have the soul bodies that are of all different ages, influencing the physical bodies that could all be adult, but they're not all of the same age. In other words, some have gone through 10,000 lives and some have gone through 40,000 lives and some have gone through 70 and some have gone through 80. You know, the round number in the, in the Vedas is that we live 84,000 human lifetimes after we have gone through 8.4 million pre-human existences as mineral, plant, and all of the insects and all of the animals. 
I guess, well, the insects are animals, but they're a bit of a bridge between the plant world and the animal world. And some souls have not passed through as many incarnations, and so you have these five characters, as in the Bhavishya. And the five characters are the embryos, and they're just the embryonic stage. The fetals, they're just the stage of the fetus. And then you have the natals, which are the natal is the ones that are in the birthing process. They're being birthed into higher awareness. Prior to that, you can't teach a small child algebra. You cannot teach a one-year-old infant how to hit a baseball. There are certain skills that you need prerequisites for. And so as we look around the world and we look at all that is happening in the world and we see people that are causing certain things to happen and other people that are causing certain other things to happen, you must look at them as all these lives that are love. But just like a small child, well-intended can spill the most staining kind of juice on the most stainable kind of piece of furniture. The child is not a bad child. The child is just having a moment, doing its best. And so as we look around the world, we can influence those children to grow and to not do things that are going to spill a staining solution on a stainable piece of furniture. We can influence that because that's not against the child. The child doesn't gain anything by staining the furniture. The child will actually gain something by mastering the ability to carry a a glass filled with some liquid. And so what we want to do is we want to be these exquisite benevolent creatures looking around at all of the differentiations and dissimilarities and dichotomies and all of the things that are going on in the world at this time. And we want to locate ourselves in that higher conscious realm where we can be omni-influencing we can influence so many to be able to come together. Wow, I almost started singing John Lennon's song. Isn't that a great beat? I don't know if you remember it, but... Come together right now. <laughs> Over me, Mm. Mm. As a musician, when you hear something that is written and produced that well, you go nuts. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you do too. We're all musicians for that matter. So that is our theme. And our overall theme in this six-week period is sunya, that deep sensing. 
because it is when you allow yourself to extend out into the one in the spirit, that is when we begin to sense each other. And we not only sense each other, but we sense the other, the other ones. Imagine. There's a great story. Sitting Bull was an incredible shaman as well as a, as a, as a chief. And he was being negotiated with under a treaty negotiation with the American government. And he came and he said that he would only have that negotiation inside of a teepee. And so the representatives from the government came in and they sat down and there were other native people, indigenous people sitting around and they communicated to the others, where is, where is your chief? And they pointed to this blanket in the center of the, in the, not the center center, but the, you know, just off the center of the teepee. And it had the shape of a body underneath it. And they said, there he is. And they said, is he dead? And they said, no, no. And in their language, they would have been indicating, no, he's in dream time, which is the same frequency as meditation. And the U.S. government negotiators were saying, well, why? Why is he under there? And the, the indigenous people said, because he wants to sense who you are rather than listen to what you are saying. That's what we have to become skilled at. We have to become skilled at enabling ourselves, like he, to be under that blanket at all times, except when you're driving a car. Don't be under a blanket while you're driving a car. You've got to be all eyes on the road, all hands on, on the wheel, you know, and you've got to be ready. Don't be in a dream state while you're driving your car. But in other moments, be in a dream state. When you're writing your emails, when you're texting, be in a dream state. When you're communicating, be in a dream state. And in that dream state, you activate that sunya, that deep sensing. And it is then that you can truly sense who you are working with. You can sense their inclinations, their inferences. And by knowing their inclinations, you can assist them in opening to a larger picture. You know, sometimes the three blind people on the elephant need to be able to, you know, obviously take a step back, if you will, and, 
and hold all of the parts of the elephant so that they truly know what it is that they're holding on to. Because otherwise, you get locked into a part. And in yoga and in medicine, the two forms, the bigger picture, the step back, the meditative dream time picture is the parasympathetic nervous system. And the locked onto one component is the sympathetic nervous system. And there's time for both. I mean, there's a reason that we have both systems. There's a time to be, you know, super responsive to the moment, reacting without contemplating. But the solutions are in the contemplation. I call quantumplation because you need to break it all down to those ninth, tenth, and eleventh dimensional levels. Down to the quantum, quanta. And so, by going into that sunya, as Sitting Bull did, as you do, you can understand, okay, what is your life in its depth? What is the life in its depth? What is society in its depth? What are the conflicts at their depth? Because at some point, a conflict is not about what it seems to be about. The root of a conflict is more of what it is than what it appears that it is. And if all you're doing is negotiating or arbitrating or mediating or communicating at the appearance of what it is, you can go on for a very long time without reaching conclusions or solutions or resolutions. (coughs) But if you drop down into the root and you look at what has... (coughs) What has caused this from not this moment, but from, you know, much more historical moments? Then we can begin to create remedies. This is what I'm doing presently to try to see all sides of what is going on in the world right now. Because what is going on in the world right now is is causing separation and, and accelerated diversity. Politically, medicinally, religiously, economically. You know, there's all of this diversity geographically, you know. We have to get to that union in the diversity. So where at the root of what appears to be diverse is the commonality. That's where we have to come to so that we can then from the throat chakra understand each other And the throat chakra is very deeply involved in sunya because the throat chakra is where the eustachian tube comes in and that's where the inner ear is and that's where your thought words are spoken. The inner ear from the the 
inner ear to the inner ear across the throat is where your thought words are spoken. And it's the reason why the respiratory system and the auditory system cross in the throat at the, eust- at the juncture of the eustachian tubes and the, the, the larynx, be- the, the throat, the esophagus. Because at that cross is where your thought words and your breath combine to deliver your thought, the frequency of your thought words into the lungs, into the alveoli sacs, osmotically then transferred into the blood and into your body. So now your whole body is alive with your thinking. And it is through that mechanism that we are able to, with all of the superconsciousness, sometimes referred to as the universal mind, coming in and still paying attention to our environment while also being very much relating to our groundedness, that our physical groundedness in those ancestral past and also just in the gravitational electromagnetics of the planet Earth. And it is through all of this combined, not, I'm not going to listen to you, I have to just meditate. No. Be able to listen and meditate simultaneously. Be able to meditate with your eyes open so that you're not looking like somebody who's avoiding, you know, you know, you're listening and you see somebody listening but their eyes are closed. That actually doesn't help the union. Learn to meditate with your eyes open, the eyes not even seeing. Literally, you are what is known as scrying, where your eyes literally are open but they're not focused. They're parallel. And again, don't do it while you're driving because it doesn't help at all to stay in the proper lane. <laughs> And once you are mastering this, or at least you're a student, an active student of this, that's when your genealogy, the 32,766 ancestors through 14 generations that are influencing you through the DNA, are grounding you in that earth energy. The wave of time is passing through you. Time is passing, right? The world around you is you're aware of is influencing you and you are reaching out into the cosmic topography to see okay what was the past the root that led to this what is the present circumstance that is this and what is the future of what this is going to be and then take a proactive approach who you are where do you want to be who you are where do you want to be You've got to live in your presence and be able to work towards your preference. I was looking for the other piece of art. Uh, It's right, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, did you see that? Did you see the back of my chair? Let me see if you can... (laughs) Disobey. (laughs) I got that. 
in a, um, as you can see, it has, a, it has a Native American on it. And I got that in a small shop in New Mexico uh, on a reservation. And I thought, whoa, how beautiful is that, huh? Doesn't mean be disobedient. It means, you know, it means obey your higher calling, right? And disobey that which is the chaos that's around all of us at all times. So when you are in your presence, you're fully in that state of grace that you're in that presence. And you have faith in your preference. That's when you can navigate the difference without having it disrupt you. Because most people live in the difference and when you live in the difference, you're very unsatisfied. And that's why so much of the planet is so dissatisfied because they're not, they're not in soul body, they're not old enough to understand this equation. So what we have to do is we have to do it for them. We have to not react to their reaction. We have to be in our presence, having faith that we will reach our preference, going into our meditation and in our meditation, charting the course to our preference so that we can sit in our vehicle, our human body, and navigate the difference and it doesn't, it doesn't affect us. When you're driving from one place to another, you don't go, oh man, this is horrible, we're not there yet. Oh man, this is horrible, we're not there yet. But little children do. <laughs> little children sit in the back seat and they're always going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I am so sick of this drive. Are we there yet? You know, and woohoo! That's why God invented video screens that you could put on the back of the front seat of the car so that the <laughs> kids can just be there in the video screen, right? Well, that was an aside, <laughs> but it was probably accurate as well. But this is the, this is the equation. Sit in your preference, Navigate the difference. Have faith in the preference. Hmm. Why well, do? And with that, what I would like us all to do is we'll start the Kriya. Let's just sit for a moment and absorb this communication. In your own words, absorb the communication. How does it work for you? How does it pertain to your life? And then establish an amount of time that you will dedicate every week or every day to going into that space, that space of spirit, that space of higher consciousness with whatever tools that you have 
so that you can meet and greet all of the persons in your world where you are all one in the spirit. All of the dilemmas in your world and the world where we are all one in the spirit. And where you can pray for those who need assistance. Stimulate those that need insistence. And work with yourself so that you maintain persistence. Consistence. Bless you for joining us. Visit gurusing.com for an ever-expanding archive of lectures, videos, yoga sets, meditations, and more.